It is great to see you this morning. If you have your Bible, 2 Kings chapter 22 is where we're going. 2 Kings chapter 22. Now, let me ask a question. How many of you would like to have your greatest fault, you ready for this? Your greatest fault made into a monument for everyone to see. Wouldn't that be nice? 1961, there was a golfer who was at the pinnacle of his career. His name was Arnold Palmer. Maybe you have their sweet tea, half sweet tea, half lemonade, but he was actually a golfer as well. And uh, he, he was at the pinnacle of his career in 1961. He was on track. It was a, the Los Angeles Open. He came up to the par five. He was behind by two strokes. And being behind, he felt at the par five, this is where he was going to be able to gain his lead. And what he does is he takes and tees the ball up, and he takes his first swing. After the first swing, the ball takes a huge fade to the right. It hits a pole and bounces out of bounds. He takes another golf ball, tees it up, corrects his stance, corrects what he's doing. And this time as he hits, he pulls it and he hooks it all the way to the left. The ball bounces, hits the road, and goes out of bounds completely. Takes a few more swings. And here's what it says today. If you would go out to Los Angeles and you would go out to the Rancho Park Golf Course, you would find a plaque on this par five that reads, quote, on Friday, January 6th, 1961, the first day of the 35th Los Angeles Open, Arnold Palmer, voted golfer of the year and pro athlete of the year, took a 12 on this hole. Man, can you believe that? My, my golf game's pretty bad. I think I can maybe make a 12 on a par five. That, that gives me enough chance. It's a plaque that has stood and it still stands today. Can you imagine? Your worst fault, your worst failure, somebody making a monument out of it and placing it for all the world to see. What is your greatest fault? What's your greatest failure? Maybe you could chalk it up. Maybe you could write it down and you say, this is where it started. If I would have caught that football touchdown <laughs> when I was in high school, we would have been the state champions. Maybe it goes even beyond that. Maybe it's just, if I would have gotten better grades in high school, I could have got into a better college. Maybe it was that abortion that you don't want to talk about. Maybe it's getting pregnant outside of marriage. Maybe it's you married the wrong person. Maybe God has called you into ministry and you know it and you've never got into ministry. Maybe it's those bad choices that you made in the marriage. How you interacted with your spouse. Maybe you strayed and maybe you left that covenant marriage relationship for some fling. Whether it was just online or whether it was an actual physical relationship. What is your greatest fault? Your greatest failure? And the question that I want to throw out to you today, can you go beyond it? Can you get beyond it? The problem with our faults and the problem with our failures is that quite often they continue to speak into our lives and they hold us captive and we never can go beyond because it keeps speaking to us and telling us that we're bad, we're evil, we can't do it, we can't go beyond this because this is our new identity. And here's what we're going to find today in Josiah. You can go beyond your personal faults. You have your Bibles, 2 Kings chapter 22. The last few weeks, here's what we've been finding out. 
The first week is that Josiah was a king who went beyond his parents' mistakes. And if you have not listened to it, I want to encourage you. It's online. Go check it out so that way you can get caught up. Maybe you need to go beyond your personal parents' failures. Maybe for some of you, it's, it's a personal hurts. Maybe somebody has done you wrong in your life. And you've been, you're dealing with these hurts and somebody, it's, been, it's, it's a bad deal. You got the short end of the stick and somebody has hurt you. They betrayed you and they've hurt you in some way. And you need to learn how to go beyond those personal hurts. We learned about that last week. Again, it's online, go check it out. And today it's going beyond your personal failures. Those things that have identified you for so long, can you break through? And today, under the authority of God's word, I wanna say you can. You can go beyond those personal failures. Please stand with me if you have your Bibles. Even if you don't, we're going to put it up on the screen. I want to encourage you to be able to follow along with us. 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 22. I would ask that you go down to verse 8 with me as I begin to read. The Bible says this, And Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. And Shaphan, the secretary, came to the king and reported to the king, Your servants have emptied out the money that was found in the house, and they have delivered it into the hand of the workmen, who have had the oversight of the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king, Hilkiah, the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. And when the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, I'm asking that you'd reach down and you'd move. We're asking that your word would speak and penetrate deep into our souls today. I'm asking that the Holy Spirit would have power and presence in this building and in this moment. God, we need to hear from you. Give us the ears to hear. I pray for freedom that the Holy Spirit can speak into our lives where we need to hear it. God, there are hurts and there are pains, and God, there are even failures that we need to get beyond today. And I pray for your power, so that, Father, we no longer stay the way we are, but we leave a different people, because we've heard from you, God Almighty. And I'm asking all these things in Jesus' precious name, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A failure. Here's the failure, that the word of God had been lost, and here's where it was lost. It was lost in the house of God. Now help me understand that. How do you lose the Bible in church? Of all places, you would expect if you show up to church, you show up to the temple, you show up to the house of God, you expect something, right? You expect God's word to be there. So how do you lose it? And not just for one generation, but multiple generations, the word of God has now been lost. What do you do? I, I, I read this and it says the high priest found it. What do you do if you're the pastor and you don't even have the word of God? What is your job? I thought about that. What, what would my job be? Do I just walk around and talk to people? Hey, good to see you. What, what do you do? What is your job? How was the priest functioning in the house of God without the word of God? Isn't that an interesting question? How does that happen? How does that work? And as I said, and as I thought through this, I asked the question, how do you lose the word of God? You're the people of God. You're chosen by God 
God has called you out and he's seen, you've seen miraculous things. You've been delivered out of Pharaoh's hands. You've seen waters part. You've seen walls fall down at Jericho. God has given you the promised land. How do you lose the word of God? And as I began to think, I began to even think about where we're at as Americans. How would we be defined? At one point, we were considered a Christian what? We were actually founded on very solid biblical principles that there is a God and that he created all men equal. That is from the Bible, nothing else. It's written into our constitution. It's part of who we are. If you would have told the founders that in just a couple hundred years, this land that they're founding, the majority of people, according to USA Today, do not believe the Bible is true. The majority of people even question that there is a true and living God. How does that happen? How does it happen that you actually have a nation now that has been generations removed from church where you have people who live in the belt buckle of America here in Dallas, Texas, and who have never entered a church building. So as I began to pass judgment on Josiah and the priest, I began to see America for who we are, as a people who have truly forgotten God. Now watch this, you ready? So we go from the big and now we kind of start moving in. And you begin to read the questions and you begin to see the stats of how many Christians who actually claim to be Christians, who claim to know God as their Savior, but the majority have never read this book from Genesis to Revelation. They've never read it. We are a people who enjoy claiming a God, but who do not actually have the Word of God. The majority of people, again, Christians who believe in God, rarely do they actually memorize any verse at all. Why? Because we've lost the word of God. It's not that important. And now here's what happens. Josiah has begun to make reformation. He's begun to change. And as he begins to make these changes, if you go to verse three, it says that in the 18th year of King Josiah, his 18th year. So the, Josiah began to reign at the age of eight. So he has been ruling now for 18 years. So how old would he be? 18 plus eight is? I know you went to school. Okay, you ready? Go ahead, figure it up. I'll give everybody a chance. Eight plus six, uh, eight plus 18. 26, all right. So he's been, he's 26 years old. He's 26 years old, and at this point, he says, I need to start changing. I need to start cleansing the the house of God. And so he starts working on cleansing the house of God. Now, if you have your Bibles, you can actually find the same story in 2 Chronicles chapter 34. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 34, here's what you find about Josiah. Very fascinating. That at the age of 16, it says that Josiah turns his heart towards God, and he begins to follow God. Now, I don't know how... I don't know how you turn to God. I don't know how you turn to and start following God without the Bible. But put it together, Josiah begins to turn towards God at age 16 without the Bible being present. And he begins to make reformation. 
He begins to make change. He begins to, for 10 years now, he's been trying to clean. He's been trying to go after God. Now, here's what it points us to. You ready? There are moments in time in your life that you will not know the entire word of God, but you still know that God is calling you and you still go after him. And even at the age of 16, without the word of God, Josiah knows that he needs to be going after God. So he does what he can with what he knows. And for some of you, what you need to know right now is you might know enough of the Bible right now that you just need to be going after God instead of setting back saying, I just don't know enough, so I'm not going to even do anything for God. God has called you with as little knowledge that you have right now to go after him. And at 16, without the word of God, he's going after God, and he tries to start reforming. So as he does at 26, 10 years into the making, he comes across the word of God. And the word of God is opened. Now, it says the book of the law. So we can assume that it's probably the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Some would even say it might even just be Deuteronomy. Whatever he finds, it's that first grouping. It's the laws in which this is how the house of God should be working. This is how the house of God should be functioning. This is what you as a people, God's chosen people, you should be putting God first in your life. And as he read, or has it read to him, look at verse 11. Here's what it says. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. He goes into great anguish. If you've had ever, ever had a failure, you know the pain of the moment. When you come face to face with your bad decision, and you also see the consequences that are going to be happening, it's negative consequence after negative consequence, you felt the pain all the hurt. And now we begin, if you have your, your bulletins, you can open it up. I'm going to give you four points as we start walking through this. Because I want to show you how you can go beyond, and I want to show you some steps that even Josiah took to go beyond your personal failures. The bottom line is this. Every saint has a past. Every saint has a past, and every believer has failures in their past. And if we all have failures in our past, and the question begins, how do we go forward? And here's what happens. When Josiah is confronted with his failure, the very first thing that you have to understand is this. When you see a failure, when you actually come face-to-face with your failure, it's either an opportunity for a breakthrough or a breakdown. That's your blanks. It's a breakthrough or a breakdown moment. A moment in which you break down and say, I can't go any further, and you stop, and from there on, you're marked by this failure. It could be a a failed job where you got fired. It could be a failed marriage. It can be a failed, and you just fill in the blank. It's either a breakdown where it destroys you, and you say, I can't go any further, and this is it. This is who I am. Or it's an opportunity for a breakthrough. Where you go from this, you learn and you move forward and you go to where God is calling you to be. And Josiah responds, and when he responds, he responds with humility and anguish, pain. God, I'm sorry, and he repents. Now, here's why this is so important. His repentance came as he was confronted with the words of God. Why do we come back to the word of God so often? It's because when you see the word of God, when the word of God is open, God brings conviction into your soul. Why is conviction so important? 
Because when the Holy Spirit convicts you of how you've been living and how that it messes and it misses and how that you need God's redemption and God's grace, what it does is conviction by the Holy Spirit draws you and it pulls you into God Almighty. Conviction's good. When the word of God's open, it brings conviction. And you have a choice to either, oh my, poor me, or you have a choice to go further, to break through. And Josiah chooses to break through. Now watch what he does. Verse 12, And the king commands Hilkiah the priest and Akim, the son of Shaphan, and Akbor, and son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the secretary, and Isaiah. That was just silly. Why did I read all those? Verse 13, let me tell you what he does. He commands everybody. He says, 13, Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah. Go, inquire, go after them. Go find out what we need to do. Here's what he does. Josiah, instead of stopping and saying, this is who I am, he says, we have to figure out what's going on. We have to figure out somebody has an answer. Go and inquire of somebody. Now, if I was going to inquire of the Lord and I wanted God to speak, one of the first people I would think of would be say, I want to go to a man of God, right? I want to go to somebody. He tells the priest, obviously, you don't know about God. Obviously, you don't know enough about God. You don't hear from God. So go find somebody who hears from God. Now, just for, just for fun, I want to throw this in there. He sends them to a prophetess, a, a lady, a female prophet. Ladies, you can hear from God. Just want to help you out. You don't have to have your husband hear from God for you. You can actually hear from God. Amen? Ladies, that was a great point for you. All right. Let me, let me, let me rephrase it, and then you can say amen. All right, you ready? Ladies. You can actually hear from God, and you don't need somebody else to hear from God. Amen? Amen. Some of you do. Some of you got it. He sends them to a lady to hear. Now, here's your second point. You ready? Your failure. Your failure does not automatically define you. It doesn't define you. Your failure doesn't define you. And here's what is amazing to me about Josiah. At this moment, he's confronted with his failure. At this moment, he's confronted with a failure. Instead of going back to his past, Josiah inquires and he says, okay, how do we break through? How do we get through it? See, quite often in dealing with failures, here's what happens. In dealing with failures, quite often when people come face to face with their failure, they get to a point where they say, well, that's just who I am. That's just who my family is. That's just what we've done in the past. That's just who, I I don't know how to break it, so poor me. I'm just an alcoholic, so I have to go back to that drunk, that, that drinking. I'm just, I, and we just go back to it, and we go back to it, and we allow the failure to define us. With my kids, I have one of my kids who, as we interact and as we talk, she, she, we had this conversation, and she, she would go, Dad, I just, I, I made a mistake on my, my grades. I made a mistake on this test. I got a bad grade. I just didn't understand it. Those are good statements, right? Those are fine. I made a mistake. I didn't understand it. I didn't know. I don't don't know really how to do it. That's okay. But quite often, here's what she does. She takes those statements and then she walks all the way over here and then she makes this one major statement. I'm just stupid. Now, what 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 did she do? She allowed the default to define her. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with this? Because we do this quite often. We, we make the leap. I made a mistake. I've, I failed. I can't believe I did this. Poor me. And we go from 
making the right statements. Yes, you're wrong. Yes, you shouldn't have made that mistake. And then we go all the way over here and now we define ourselves. One, you're not supposed to use the, use the word stupid, right? So we have to walk through that. And then we got to start walking through the next steps. Listen, you're not stupid. Everybody makes mistakes. You're not going to get everything on the first try. God has created you with an incredible mind to analyze, to think. And you have to start recalibrating her life from the mistake, and you have to begin to talk to her about her identity. I read a joke about a guy who, um, a businessman, who had always walked down the street, and as he's walking down the street, he had passed this pet store. And every morning, the, the pet store owner was out there sweeping, and as he would sweep, he would set a bird out, and this parrot would, would be out there in the cage. And so as the man was sweeping, the businessman would walk by, and every morning the bird would say, Hey, sir, hey, sir, you're ugly. Man, it would fire that businessman up, and he ignored it for the first few times. And after several weeks, hey, sir, hey, sir, you're ugly. He got tired of it. He said, okay, fine. I can't kill the bird because the business owner's right there, so here's what I'm going to do. So he tells the business owner, either you take care of the bird or I'm going to. So the next day, he walks by the store, and the, the bird is covered. There's a blanket over the top, so he didn't hear anything. So for a month, there's nothing coming out of the bird. He never hears anything. And then at the end of the month, the pet store owner takes the blanket off. And as he's walking, he's, all right, this, this is going to be the morning. I get to kill a bird, right? So he's really excited about it. He's walking down, and, and he gets close. And as he gets close, the bird, the bird doesn't say anything. The bird doesn't say anything. He passes the bird. He's like, yes. He gets all the way past, and as he's taking the next few steps, then the bird calls out, hey, sir. He turns to look at the bird, and the bird says, you know, <laughs> you know, our, our, our failures, they, they call out to us, don't they? They become our identity. You fail and you fail and you fail and you go, man, that's just who I am. I'm just addicted to porn. I'm just, I'm just a drunk. I just, I can't, can't get it right. And here's what I want to hear. I want you to hear today. You ready? Your failure does not need to become your identity. It only becomes your identity if you choose to allow it. Because here's the reality. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians, you ready for this? That if any man is in Christ, he is a new what? If any man's in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things, all the old, all the junk, all the things in your past, all your past failures, they're done away with, the old. And it says, and all things become what? New. All things become new. My dear friends, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, your faults, your failures are not your identity. You are a child of the King. And you are not called to still be a failure and to keep failing over and over again. You're called to go beyond because God has made all things new. Do you hear this? Now, let me just talk to you real quick. If you're just kicking the tires and you're just checking this whole God thing out and you're not really bought into it and you're not really for sure, let me just help make sure you understand something. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you are still identified by your sin and your failures. All things have not become new for you. You're still part of the old man. The only way you become new is by confessing your sins and trusting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. That's when it becomes new. So your failures don't have to be your identity. Number three. Let me show you number three. Josiah...
says, okay, I'm going beyond. I'm going to make sure I go beyond. So guys, go find out who we need to talk to. Who do we need to interact with? And he goes to this lady and he asks, he says, okay, go ask him the questions. Ask what she needs to do. Number three, says, take responsibility. This is your blanks. Take responsibility for failure. And that unlocks learning and future growth. Here's what Josiah does in verse 13. I love this. He says, go and inquire, but look at the, bat, the last part of this. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us. Because our fathers who have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. You want to go beyond? You want to go beyond? Then you're going to have to take responsibility for your failure. Here's what's interesting to me about Josiah. Was Josiah's greatest fault that he is the one who forgot God's word? Was it? The answer is no. He was trying to follow God. He was 16 years old, 18 years old, 20 years old. He's trying to follow God, but he cannot get there because he doesn't have God's word. But here's what he does. In the midst of this, he says, I'm going to follow God as best I know how. As best I know how. The failure was not only his, the failure was the priest, the failure was society as a whole, the failure was his father's, the failure was his grandfather's. In this moment, Josiah has a chance and he has an opportunity. He has a chance to blame everybody else. He has a chance to say it's everybody else's fault. This is just who we are. We're not going any further. Or he has a chance to actually own it and say, from this moment on, I'm going to take responsibility. And I love the fact that he takes responsibility. He says, go and inquire for me. It starts with him. If you want to go beyond, you are going to have to start at a point where you say, I am not going to blame anybody else. I'm not blaming anybody else. From this moment on, it's my opportunity. Listen listen to me. I want to talk to teenagers. Ready? College students. He's 16 years old. Watch this. He's living in a land full full of pagan idolatry. Josiah at 16 and at 18, he could do whatever he wanted. He was the king. His dad and his grandfather brought in male temple prostitutes, female temple prostitutes. Sex was rampant. He could do whatever he wanted at any time. He was the king. He could, alcohol, who cares? It doesn't matter. Drugs, man, let's, let's smoke him a peace pipe. Whatever he needed to do, he could do whatever he wanted. It was all there for him to take. And at 16, listen, in a society which he was the king and he could do whatever he wanted, he didn't have God's word, but he still made a choice to go after God. And I'm telling you what, we can say that in this day and age, it's hard to be a teenager, and I'll say, yes, it is hard. You can say it's hard to be a college student. Yes, it is hard. But we still live in a day and age where the word of God is very accessible. We live in a day and age where we have it. If you want it, you can have it. And the reality is this. Even if your parents have screwed up, even if your parents have never taken you to church, you can own it from this moment forward. And revival begins to break loose because a 16-year-old made a choice to go after God because an 18-year-old began to say, we've got to clean some more. 26-year-old, he begins to say, it's time, let's clean the house of God. Your age is not stopping you from going after God and your past is not stopping. So take responsibility. And Josiah takes responsibility for him. 
And then he also takes responsibility for his father's and his parents' actions. They shouldn't have acted that way. I'm sorry. Go ask God how we can get this right. And then as a king, as a leader, listen to me. If you're a leader, listen. You ready? If you're a leader, you have the responsibility of where the organization is going, and you're responsible for how everything else is functioning. And Josiah takes the nation, and he says, God, I'm responsible as the king. And from this moment forward, we as a people, we're going to do something. Go ask how we can get this right with God. So as a nation, he takes responsibility as well. No more playing games. You want to take responsibility? Here's the first step. You ready? You need to come to God and say, God, I screwed up and I failed. Please forgive me. Well, Heath, you don't know how bad I've been. You don't know what I've done. You don't know how big it is. Can I just help? I I love these verses because it talks about God's forgiveness. Maybe we can put these up. Romans 5. Let me just read you some verses about forgiveness. You ready? Now the law came in, Romans 5.20, into increase the trespasses, but where sin increased, the King James says, where sin did abound. Grace abounded all the more. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Please hear me. There's no sin that is too big for God. He can forgive whatever's in your past. Listen, he, he, took, he took some of the, the worst guys in the Old Testament and he, he made them saints. I don't know how you take a murderer. I don't know how you take an adulterer. I don't know how you do that, but he's, we call them saints. Why? Because they turn their junk to the Lord. And God's grace abounds. Look at 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's what? Faithful and just. Do you see that? He's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from just a little bit of our unrighteousness. You see that? All. Do you see that? It's so powerful. He forgives us from all. Jeremiah 31, 34. The last part of the verse, it says, Knowing the Lord, for they shall all know me. For the least of them to the greatest declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. God makes a conscious choice to put your sins and forget them forever. He actually casts them into his sea of what? Forgetfulness. Psalms 103 and verse 12. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from our sins. You can never, once you start going east, you always go east. You never make it to the west. You just keep going around. And it's just, God says, I will remove them and I will never bring them back up. Forgiveness. Now, let me show you one last thing. This talks about failure. Your last point is failure is not final or fatal. It's not going to kill you. You've gone through your failures. You've gone through it. You're in the midst of it. Failure is not final or fatal. Now, watch what Josiah does. So he goes and he sends them to talk to the prophetess. Verse 15, verse 16, she begins to tell them, because the, the nation has turned from God, they've, they've left God. They get to a point, she says, okay, judgment is coming. God's wrath is going to come. But now she says, but to the king, verse 18, but to the king who sent you to inquire, this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel, regarding the words, verse 19, because your heart was penitent, because you were sorry, because you came to me and you asked for forgiveness. You humbled yourselves before the Lord. 
You heard how the Lord was against this place, against the inhabitants, and that they are all going to be destroyed with a curse. You tore your clothes, you wept before me. I also have heard, declares the Lord. So verse 20, therefore, behold, I will gather you to your fathers and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace. What is the promise? Okay, Josiah, since you turned, since you repented, since you got it right, then Josiah, in your day, in your life, I am going to bring peace upon you and I'm going to bless you. The blessing is here for you and I to understand and to catch. When you're willing to take your failure and you say, God, here it is. I'm sorry. Man, I blew it. God, if I could get rid of it, I would love to. God, if, if, if I could not have done that, if I could go back in a time machine, I would get rid of it. If you're willing to place it at the foot of the cross, then God is able to redeem it, and then he's able to bring blessings back into your life. Isn't that an amazing promise? It's not final. It's not final. Learn from it. Let's go forward. It's not final. And he's ready to bring blessings. Now watch what happens. How do you do this? Paul helps us with some understanding here. Paul actually tells us in Philippians, I, I haven't actually made it yet, is what Paul says. I haven't made it. I haven't apprehended and become all that God has called me to be. And isn't that a great statement for us? That there's not a person in this room, including myself. I have not arrived. I haven't made it. You haven't made it. There's nobody who's made it. We're all in process of becoming what God has called us to be. But so here's what Paul says. Since I'm in process and since I'm becoming, he says, this one thing I do. And then Paul tells us two things that he does. I love it. He says, this one thing I do, forgetting the past. Forgetting the past. Well, wait a minute, Heath. How do I forget the past? Well, once you take it to the cross and you ask for forgiveness, then you leave it there. You forget it. If God can forgive you, why can't you forgive yourself? Rewind, that was a good one. If God can forgive you, if God can forgive you, why can't you forgive yourself? You have to forget it and leave it there. My youngest daughter, we, um, she, she, when she was really little, she had a little aerial doll. And she would take it everywhere. She would sleep with the thing. She would take it to church. She would have to take it to eat. I mean, she, the little aerial went everywhere with us, Right? So Ariel would go with us, and one day we left her at a restaurant, and man, nap time came. It was a pain in the rear. You couldn't get her down. She couldn't sleep without Ariel, and so we, we couldn't find it, and so we just went through this whole process of not being able to get it, and so it took us a while, and we walked through. We thought, well, we'll just teach her. We'll just help her understand that you have to put it in the past, and let's get, move on. Let's go to something else, and to this day, she still talks about Ariel doll and how we left her. So I don't know if she could actually ever forgive us or forget. It's hard, even for a little child, right? It's hard. But if you placed it at the cross, that's where it should stay. Forgetting it and moving on. You're right, you might have to deal with consequences. But when it's redeemed, then God can bless it. He says, forgetting it. And then he says this, I press on for the full prize of God, to follow him. You forget it, and then you move forward. And you say, from here on out, I'm not identified by it. No longer is it gonna hold me captive. I took responsibility. I asked for forgiveness. So God, here I am. I'm going to leave it here today. 
It's not who I am. And I'm going to have this breakthrough moment so that today when I leave, it's at the cross and I'm going to live in the full power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ because that's who I've called, I'm called to be. If this failure, it stays there. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal savior, your greatest opportunity is right in front of you. That Jesus is calling you and saying, you don't know me, but I forgive you. And Jesus is calling out. He says, I'll be your savior. And all you have to do today, you ready? It's so simple. You confess your sins and you call out to him and ask him to be the Lord and savior. And here's what the Bible says, that he will save you from your sins and he will make you a new creation in Jesus Christ today. That's some of you need to make that choice today. You know it and you're wrestling in your spirit and you know God is calling you. So this is the day, let's do it. Let's get it right. For others of you, your failure needs to stay here so that you go and you become what God has called you to be as you walk out of this place. 